This is the Teachable Soul Podcast. Because we cannot possibly live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves, let's take a few moments to learn from the mistakes of others. The Teachable Soul Podcast, where guests and listeners like you share stories of failure and teachable moments on the journey to success. Here's your host, Kat Daniels. Welcome to the Teachable Soul Podcast. I am your host, Kat Daniels, and today with me, we have a guest who is an expert marketing and business growth entrepreneur who has had over 20 years of entrepreneurial experience with a passion for helping businesses develop and grow. This passion has served him well in operating and managing a wholesale distribution company, which he co-owned for nine years. The company grew an average of 60% a year before it was acquired in 2005. In 2013, he started Rialto Marketing and has since been serving service-based businesses to simplify their marketing so they can grow with less stress. Since then, he's had many teachable moments and successes that have been exponentially valuable, and today he would like to share them with our listeners and fellow teachable souls. So without further ado, welcome Tim Fitzpatrick, and thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate you for having me, Kat. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Me too. So I'm going to go into the main teachable moment that you said that you would like to talk about initially is you said, don't fight shift. Change is inevitable. And so can you go into some of the shifts and changes that you've been through in business? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I just thought uh, talking about shift based on what's happened for all of us in the last year was was not a bad topic, right? Right. Incredibly important right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think most people that uh, have been entrepreneurs or have owned their own business know that that the journey and the path is not a, a straight road. It's it's a winding road or, or, you know, oftentimes just, you know, a line that's being scribbled all over a piece of paper. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so shifts happen, change is is always happening. You know, one of my favorite quotes says that the only constant in life is change. And, you know, I've always tried to to live my life by that mantra, because I think life is so much easier when you can, when you can accept change and, and just roll with it rather than, than fight it. So, you know, in my journey, I, I had so many different shifts from a, from a business perspective, but the one, there were a few that came to mind and, um, one of them, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, the first business I was a partner in was a wholesale distribution company. And, um, when we sold that, I worked for that company for another three years. And then I moved, moved to Denver, Colorado. We were based out of, uh, Northern California at the time, but my wife and I moved to Colorado. And this was around the two, uh, 2000, um, 2008 timeframe. And we all know what happened in 2008, 2009, things, changed dramatically in our economy. And mm-hmm. the company that had bought us was a public company. And they really started getting very concerned about what was happening in the economy. And they actually closed in 2009, early 2009, they closed 30% of the of the locations that we had across the country. We had a, uh, I'm trying to think at the time, I think we probably had about 30 or 40 locations somewhere around there. And I ended up getting laid off. Um, and, wow. you know, they, frankly, they did me a favor because I wasn't happy doing what I was doing at that point. Right. Um, and I was thinking about making a shift. They just forced my hand. Mm-hmm. And when they did, I, you know, fortunately I was in a position where I, you know, I wasn't worried about making my mortgage payment the following month. Um, you know, I had some time to kind of think about what I wanted to do. And, and so I, 
you know, I started thinking back about, you know, what, what am I going to do? I, my professional career, I had only known one thing, which was being in the distribution business. And I started thinking about, you know, what do I, you know, I've always been interested in real estate. You know, I'd like to invest in real estate. Maybe now is the time for me to do that. And so, you know, I shifted and, and I became a residential realtor and figured that would be a good way to learn the business. Yeah. And boy, it was so much different than what I was used to. And I was constantly putting myself outside of my comfort zone, you know, each and every day, just pushing myself. And I learned a ton while I was doing it, but I reached a point where, you know, I said, I was like, I don't like doing this. You know, I got an email from somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about the Sunday evening effect where, you know, if you don't like what you're doing Sunday evening, you start getting a little anxious, you're nervous. You're like, Oh God, I got to go to work tomorrow. The dread. Yeah. yeah the, that dread for me, that Sunday evening effect was like every freaking day. And <clears throat> when I got to that point, I said, man, I, this, what's the point? I mean, why own a business and do all this work and not enjoy it and feel like it's just a constant battle. Right. And so I, you know, at that point I decided I need to, I need to make a, a change, you know, and what am I, what am I going to do? My, you know, my, my experience with distribution was a very positive one. It was, I learned a ton. I was coming off a high coming out of that. And then I got into real estate and it was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I crashed out and bottomed out, but man, I wasn't, my confidence had been taken down a notch or two. And, and I just, I thought it was going to be great and it wasn't for me. You know, mm -hmm. it can be great for other people, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. And, and so I was, you know, I was a bit hesitant. I was like, what, what am I going to do? And I had to take a step back again and, uh, and just think about, you know, gosh, I have just had this experience that wasn't great. Why wasn't it great? What didn't I like about it? And also, what did I love about when I was in the distribution business? And so I started taking stock of that. And um, one of my mentors always said to me, success starts with a list. And so I, you know, I just started writing this stuff down, you know, pros and cons, things that I love, things that I didn't, things that I was good at and things that I enjoyed. And, and that's when I started looking at, at marketing. You know, I loved helping our, our clients grow when we were in the distribution business. You know, I knew what it was like to run a business, to grow a business. And so that's when I decided to make that shift with marketing, you know, more marketing's constantly changing. It's dynamic. And, right. um, you know, and so that's when I decided to, to make that shift. But, you know, I would say that that, those two occurrences were my first major shifts in my entrepreneurial journey, getting, getting laid off and getting, having to do something different and then getting into that new venture, being excited about it and, you know, getting into it, realizing, oh my God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. Those are a lot of big shifts there. So, <laughs> and you were even, even in, when you were in the distribution company, in California, you were in California even at an interesting time because that was when like, wasn't that when like Facebook was coming up and, and it was. Really oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot happening. So I got into the distribution business in 1996. So, 
you know, at the time, um, I guess to try and put in perspective, I mean, you know, websites were, were popular, but they were more informational at that point, you know, right. it was more email and, you know, yes, the web was, the web really was in its infancy at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that was really exciting that was happening at that time is, you know, flat panel televisions were just coming out, mm-hmm. you know, so when they, when they first came out, um, we, we were, we were representing one of the main manufacturers that was one of the first to come out and that was Fujitsu. And at the time, okay, a Fujitsu, they had a 50 inch plasma television, a 50 inch Fujitsu was $15,000 at retail. Wow. Okay. So that gives you. Gives you, yeah, 15,000. So that gives you an idea of how much price compression there has been. I mean, I, I don't know. You walk into Costco now and, you know, you can get a 60, 70 inch for, you know, depending on what it is, you know, a thousand to two thousand bucks, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and at the time in Northern California, you know, we were not far from, um, the South Bay, Silicon Valley, San Jose area, you know, a lot of tech going on. And, you know, the dot-com boom was happening. So there was a lot of people that were making a lot of money with, you know, stock options, their companies going public, you know, so it wasn't uncommon for some of our clients who were selling to end consumers, you know, to have, you know, dot-comers walk in and go, yeah, I want to have a, I want to put a home theater in my house. And, you know, they'd talk to them about it and they'd put a bid together and they'd look at it and they'd go, oh, okay, yeah, so that's going to cost me, you know, however many stock options to do. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a different time. It was an exciting time to be in the business because there was a lot of things changing. But, um, you know, and even then, I mean, our business grew at an average of 60% a year, but we didn't grow at 60% every year. Right. You know, um, in, in 2000, when the dot com crash happened, um, our business didn't grow at all. Yeah. You know, so it's, I mean, there's always going to be those shifts and those setbacks. Um, you just have to figure out how you're going to deal with it and push through it. Yeah. It's so funny now to think of, of, of how crazy those times were because like for, for people like me, we don't really see, um, you know, like things that happen in Silicon Valley until after they've already happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> To think about it now and to to think about going back and like Facebook coming up in that area and all those other big major companies and, and internet things coming up in that area, like I hadn't thought about it before we were having this conversation, honestly. But <laughs> but I did see um, a TikTok yesterday that said something to the effect of, remember back in like 1999 when Y2K was happening and people thought that the world was essentially going to turn off after like the new year started and we found out within like one second, whether our world was over or not. And we were going to be <laughs> fine. It was like, I wish we could just have that moment back. Like, <laughs> Yes. It's so funny. You mentioned that. Um, Cause I remember that vividly, oh, so do you know, I. cause there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of concern around that mm-hmm. and you know, the, the clocks changed and, and all of a sudden it was like, well, okay. Guess we're okay, right? Yeah, this wasn't all that big of a deal, was it? Yeah, I remember um, watching the New Year's in New York and literally everyone paused 
for a moment. Like normally it hits midnight and everybody goes nuts and literally everybody paused for just a split second to make sure that it was still going to be like the lights were going to be on. And then they celebrated. Like, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, what's crazy too is it, I mean, that was a long time ago, but it it doesn't seem like it was that all that long ago. I know. I'm still, it still baffles me that it was over 20 years ago that that happened. I can't even fathom it. It's mind blowing. If you, (laughs) if you, uh, if you close your eyes for too long, life passes you by. It sure does, doesn't it? (laughs) For sure. So I see that you too have a podcast, of course. Um, So what, as a marketing expert, drove you to make the decision to start a podcast? Uh, You know, that's a really good question. And it, for me, it came out, you know, one of the things, I mean, with marketing, there's so many different marketing channels now. You know, when I got into distribution, we had a website and we brought dealers in for training and we grew our business, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you've got all these different marketing channels. You have social media and content and SEO and your website and the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the pandemic hit, really started hitting in full force last year, a lot of – one of the main uh, lead generation channels that we had – was, uh, was speaking. You know, I was going out and I was doing speaking, you know, locally in the Denver, Colorado area. And all of a sudden that got shut off overnight. Right. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I said, look, I, you know, I want to keep doing this. I love doing it. How am I going to shift this to more of an online, um, perspective? And so, you know, fortunately I was able to shift a lot of that speaking to online, you know, using Zoom and, and different webinar formats and that kind of stuff. Right. But I also started to think about, well, we're going to need to do more than just this. We need to double down and start producing more content than we've been producing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always been a pretty big podcast listener just because, you know, they're easy to consume and there's so many great podcasts out there Right. that, you know, I said, well, maybe I should look at start, you know, starting to do a podcast and, so, you know, that's what we did. And, uh, you know, we're doing it, I would say, a little bit differently than than most people in that we're, our podcast starts with a Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. So we do a Facebook Live and then our Facebook Live video and audio just gets repurposed into a lot of other content. But mm-hmm. one of those pieces of content is our podcast. Right. Yeah. I To every person that owns a business... I tell them you have to start a podcast because, and whether you choose to do it through video or only do audio is your prerogative and however you feel comfortable because much like myself, I don't like to do video. It, I'm not comfortable on it. I don't like people watching me talk. It makes me nervous, (laughs) which is funny by the way, because I can totally get up on a stage in front of hundreds of people and be fine, but I digress. So (laughs) Um, but yeah, because it's just like, you can transcribe, you know, the, the audio into a blog post or multiple yes. blog posts. And it's just the, the fastest, easiest way to produce content when social media from a business at this point pretty much demands content. So yes, content is such an important part <clears throat> of marketing. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, finding the way that's going to work for you that you can do consistently, you know, whatever that is, it's, it's fine. You know, it's just, you have to do something. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and I just, I don't know, I love doing what we're doing now, you know? So it's like, I love 
talking with people, getting to meet new people. And having a podcast is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially a lot of people don't think about the relationship building side of podcasting, especially if you are going to interview people on your podcast. Right. Um, if you do that strategically, you can really start to generate some very powerful relationships mm-hmm. that will benefit your business in the long run. And, you know, so, and I mean, that's just one of the many benefits of, of doing it. And it's really not, uh, you know, I mean, look, you've been doing it. It's, it's not that difficult. It doesn't require a ton of tech. I mean, yes, there are a few little things you need to have here and there. Right. But, you know, if you have the, the eight to 10 steps that you need to have in place to make it happen, you're going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, an, you're exactly right. That's another aspect is that it's just so simple of a thing to do in order to continue to create more content. It's fantastic. I love it. Obviously, I'm a little biased, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so am I. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I did, I listened to one of your episodes that I thought was really great was the essential business lessons from the pandemic you don't want to overlook. And in the last yes. one, you actually mentioned that you used to think that um, asking for help showed weakness. Yes. Can you share a little bit about um, where that belief came from and how you came to realize that that's not necessarily true? Yeah. So first off, that was a limiting belief, right? Right. I just felt like early, I would say early on in my career, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just a, you know, a male macho kind of thing where it's like, you know, I I don't need help. I'm good. And that's it. It was a huge limiting belief because, you know, we can't, we can't know everything. We're always going to hit points in our life where we need help Mm -hmm. and we need to know where to go for that help and not be afraid to ask for it. Because I think the other thing too, that I always thought was, you know, gosh, am I inconveniencing this person by asking for help? And when I flipped that around to myself and I thought about, you know, gosh, how do I feel when people ask me for help? Mm-hmm. I don't feel inconvenienced. You know, it's like, especially if that's somebody that I, that I care about, you know, that is important to me. I want to help those people. I don't want those people to struggle, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I have information or experience that can help them, I'm not, I'm not going to feel good about myself, not relaying that information and helping them push through this, whatever they're dealing with. And so, you know, I think it was just, for me, it was really more gaining, gaining more life experience and just overcoming that limiting belief of, you know what, it's okay to, to ask for help. And it's actually showing strength Mm -hmm. because when you ask for help, you're being vulnerable and you're saying to somebody, you know what? I have a problem. I've hit a roadblock. I need help. And I'm confident enough to let you know that and just put myself out there at the risk of, you know, being hurt. Um, but I trust you and I think you can help me. So does that, does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely makes sense. But yeah, I don't think, I mean, you said in the beginning, it was a, it could be a male macho thing. And I mean, that 
I, I don't think that it's necessarily that because I personally experienced for a long time where I didn't want to ask other people for help, partially because I felt like a burden if I did, and yeah. partially just because, you know, that was the way that I was raised. I was raised to be pretty independent and told that if I wasn't incredibly independent, then that I should be. I should fix that about myself, basically. <laughs> which you know can be good for some things but like you said it's it's also about having the security in yourself to be able to ask someone for help when you need it and and to know that you need someone else's expertise when you don't have it yeah i mean it's just like we there's no need to reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. you know no matter what we're going through there are always other people out there that are past that they've been through it they're past it and they they can impart that that wisdom and share that with you and so why struggle through that if you don't have to right exactly same so you have so how do you want to or can you when did you realize that it was okay to ask for help like did something happen in your life that like clicked the light bulb for you or was it just something that occurred over time i think it was it was something that kind of slowly happened over time but I think what really hit home for me, um, and uh, this is, man, this is a tough story, but one of the neighbors um, that we have in our neighborhood, um, they lost their only child. He was five years old. It was a freak accident in our neighborhood. And I mean, it impacted a lot of the people in our neighborhood because they ended up being there when it happened. And it was just a, it was an awful thing for anybody to go through. But one of the things that came out of this, you know, and I can't remember when I saw him, you know, the, the, the dad, he had, he was publishing stuff on social media, um, you know, after this accident had happened. And, um, one of the things that he said was, you know, one of the things we've realized over the last year is that we need to be able to ask for help. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So it just, um, that hit me, you know, I was like, geez, um, where would they be if they weren't able to ask for help? So Mm -hmm. that is what really hit home for me. And I then, you know, started to look at asking for help in a totally different way. Yeah. I bet that's, a horrible thing for anyone. And I'm certain, do you mind talking about what did happen? Like what the freak accident was? It was a, he got run over by a car. It was a car accident. Gosh. Yeah. It was, it was awful. Um, Yeah. Not something you want your worst enemy to have to deal with. So. Oh no. Yeah. It was was tough. Mm. Did he feel like he was able to ask for help around that time, I presume? Yes. And that's when, so when I saw that, when I saw him post that, it was a year later. And it was actually, I think it was around the holidays when I, when I saw him post that. And uh, when I saw it, it just kind of, it just stuck with me. I was like, man, yeah, I've always thought like asking help you know, it was more a sign of, of weakness or I was burdening people, but that's really not the case, you know? Right. It shows strength. And frankly, most people, frankly, the people that you really want to hang around anyways are never going to think it's a burden. They're going to be thankful that they, that you ask them for help. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I actually, when I was 
finishing up my degree, um, I began realizing that because I got myself into a couple of situations where I actually was over helping. (laughs) And one of the things I actually had to learn was to allow people to ask for my help before I offered to help them because I often would just take the reins and and start doing without asking if anybody wanted the help. Yeah. Um, And apparently some people take offense to that. So, (laughs) (laughs) which who would have thought? Who? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think that especially this year too, asking for help is is another teachable moment that we can all learn from specifically. Absolutely. I mean, there's it's it's crazy how this pandemic has I mean, it's impacted all of us. Mm-hmm. You can't go through this unscathed, but for sure. It has certainly impacted some people a lot more than others. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know, just keeping that top of mind, you know, and realizing, I think too, the other thing that's so easy for us to lose sight of is, you know, especially early on when we don't know people that got sick or we didn't know people who, who died, it's really easy to, to be, become, you know, detached from it and be like, gosh, is this really happening? I mean, is this really that bad? Because you're not seeing all of it. But when, you know, at this point, I think most of us know people that have been, you know, that have gotten sick, have died, and you're starting to see that now it becomes um, a lot more real, you know? And um, I don't know, I just think having, having empathy towards, you know, all of us and showing grace, I think is so, so important because, you know, the way this is impacting me and my family may be totally different than it's Im- impacting yours. And, and I need to have the empathy to understand that it, that it may be way worse for you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I definitely knew people in the beginning of this that were questioning, you know, whether it was real and, just, I think we've seen it. I'm my family is from Kansas City, um, and they are currently being overrun with all kinds of cases. Their hospitals are overrun. Yeah. Um, and apparently, I didn't even realize because I I live in Maryland right now, but it's a hot spot right now for um, more COVID cases. And I have friends in California that are, yes. you know, they just, I think it was last night, my friend was like, oh, well, I was going to go out and run errands today. I had saved today to go run errands, but um, yesterday was the day that they lifted the the ban on how many bodies you can cremate for air quality purposes. And I just, the fact that that's a, an issue that they had to deal with is insane to me. Yeah. Who would, how would you even know that there was a... A regulation about that, right? Exactly. Um, You know, but when you hear things like that, it really does, for me at least, it puts things in perspective, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's so easy. I mean, look, I'm a marketer. I've been working from my house for years. So the fact that I have to work from home doesn't make a difference for me, you know, but for others, it's a huge shift. And, you know, and frankly, the, you know, the healthcare workers that are on the front lines, seeing this day in and day out, you know, uh, we don't have visibility to that, you know, and so I think listening to what they're saying about what this is like for them can really 
open our eyes a bit and put things more into perspective. Because when I'm sitting in my basement working every day, it's really hard for me to to understand how this is really impacting some people. But when mm. I can have an open mind and and listen to, you know, the stories of other people, uh, it can give me a much broader and more accurate picture, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that having a broader picture allows us to have the more accurate picture. And that's quite important, especially when, you know, we're dealing with something as dangerous, you know, or just dangerous that can kill people in general. So Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. So during the pandemic, how has the marketing business been for you? Because I I believe I saw something at the beginning that said something to the effect of that marketing dollars were the first to be cut from large corporations and businesses. Have you experienced that yourself or not? So marketing is no different than every other industry that's out there. There, Some industries have just gotten flattened by this pandemic and others have not. And even within industries, there are some that are doing really well and there are some that aren't. So yes, large corporate, a lot of large, large corporations have cut back, shifted dollars, but I don't sell to large corporations. Um, you know, we work with small service based businesses. And what we've seen is that a lot of businesses, because so many things have shifted virtual, mm-hmm. they are, if they didn't already realize it, they realized very quickly, oh my gosh, my online presence is absolutely critical to my business. And mm-hmm. if I wasn't investing in it, I need to invest in it now. And if I was investing in it, I still need to keep investing in it. Maybe I should put more money into it because everything is going virtual. And so for a lot of marketers, it's been very good. I mean, we've, we've seen an uptick in our business. Um, having said that, it also depends on what industries you sell to, you know, right. so there were marketing companies that were specializing in restaurants and hospitality. Well, they are struggling, right? Oh, yeah. Um, restaurant hospitality has really gotten hammered by this. And, you know, and there are other industries that, that have had a hard time because of it. And so, it also depended too on, you know, how narrow you were in the vertical markets that you were selling into. Um, you know, but for us, it's been, it's been good because, you know, look, service-based businesses have remained, most of them have remained pretty strong. You know, if you need an accountant, you, well, you always need an accountant or if you have an attorney, um, you know, coaches and consultants, um, most of their business has been pretty strong. Um, We work with home service businesses, you know, so remodelers, contractors, uh, they've been busy. You know, if your furnace goes out, you know, your furnace isn't paying attention to whether there's a pandemic or not. Right. (laughs) So it's it it has not been bad for us. It's actually been pretty good. But there are marketing companies that have struggled either because of the clientele that they service, you know, or the, you know, the types of services that they're offering. Yep, that's what I've heard and experienced as well. I know. And then on top of that, I know people who have been, you know, laid off and had to pivot themselves into a service-based business specifically because you can do that all online. So yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Most service-based businesses don't take a lot of capital to get started. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just time. 
<laughs> time. Which we all That's have it. plenty of now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We, most people had a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and coming on and talking with me today. Were there any other teachable moments um, that you specifically wanted to go through? No, I think we covered a lot of it. You know, I, we had talked about just, you know, shift happens and uh, <laughs> embrace change. Yeah. I think uh, if, if we could, if, most of us could live by that. Uh, we would find our, our lives would be a whole lot easier. Still not easy, but uh, it will be easier because change is going to happen and you can't fight it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved what you said too. Um, when you said that your mentor told you that success starts with lists, that yeah. was a good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's just so many people that have shared so many great insights with me. And that was, that's one that I always come back to, you know, it's like, okay, make a list. I got to do something. Let me, let me, let me write it down. Let me right. write this, get this down on paper. It's a brain dump. And then from there you can start to, to put a plan together from what you've put on paper. Right. Do you, do you type it out or do you physically write it out? I am a tactile person. So I like writing it out. You know, I still have a, you know, a, a college ruled spiral bound notebook that I write notes in each mm -hmm. day. And oftentimes I'll go back and, and type those somewhere, especially if they're really important. But I do, I like writing things down too, because it, it helps me retain information better when I do that. Oh, same. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, I only do that because it helps me. Um, but however it works for you is, is cool. Right. <laughs> of course. No, I just like to, to ask that question just as a, a curiosity, essentially, because I know that usually writing things down like that does tend to stay in the brain better, but there are, I know people who are, are good at typing it out and then that's enough for them somehow. And I'm amazed by those people. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not enough for me. Right. I don't, I'm still one of those people that likes to pick up a, a physical book and turn the page. Same, same. Exactly. Yeah. Like I can totally do eBooks unless it's an audiobook, of course. And then I'm like, well, I'll get the audiobook first, but then it goes physical book and then it goes, you know, I can handle an ebook, I guess. Yes. If I'm forced to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm the exact same. So yeah, it's uh yeah. Success starts with a list The leave that with, uh, with your audience. Cause I think it's a great place to start. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and hire you for your marketing services, where would they do that? Uh, they can pop on over to our website at rialtomarketing.com, which is R I A L T O marketing.com. And uh, actually right at the top of the page, there's a blue button that says get a free consultation. That's the best place to start. And we'll sit down and chat with you about your business and help give you some clarity on where to focus your marketing efforts to get the best return. And then, you know, if it makes sense to, to talk further about how we can help you do that, we're happy to do that. But uh, that's the best place to start. And all our social links, our, our content, our podcast, our blog are all right there on our site. So that's the best place to start. Right. And if they wanted to go from here in their podcast app to listen to your podcast, it's just called Rialto Marketing Podcast. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I kept it simple. It's, it's, it's Perfect. branded after our company. So it's just the Rialto Marketing Podcast. Yep. Best way to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Kat. You have been listening to the Teachable Soul podcast. You can find us on any social media platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram as the Teachable Soul or on Twitter as Teachable Soul. Also, if you'd like to help support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the Teachable Soul. You can also visit our website for more information at theteachablesoul.com. 